Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark, the podcast on rural innovation in Canada, both social and economic. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. It's been a while since we looked at approaches to rural innovation and sustainability in other countries. So this week, we decided to take a look over the pond and see what's happening with our friends across Ireland's rural landscape. We're pleased to have Dr. Felicity Kelleher from the Waterford Institute of Technology in Southeast Ireland with us today. We caught up with Dr. Kelleher while she was in Newfoundland, speaking at Memorial University's Harris Centre on business innovation models and embedding design thinking in rural enterprise. Good morning, Felicity, and welcome to Rural Spark. Thank you very much for having me, Helen. Uh, Felicity, where you teach and do your research in Waterford um, at the Institute of Technology, it looks to be a rather rural area of Ireland. Can you tell us a little bit about that area? And and I believe that you actually uh, co-founded a research centre there, a research team that that looks at regional issues. If you can tell us a bit about that, that would be terrific. I'd be delighted to. So Waterford Institute of Technology is one of the larger institutes in the region. It has about 10,000 students and it supports the wider regional community. The region itself has about half a million people, so similar to Newfoundland. And within that region, the vast majority is rural in its context. So there are a couple of small towns and larger towns. And then, of course, Waterford itself has approximately 60,000 people in it. And then the remainder of the community sits in the rural context. Right, so it is, and Dublin would be the next uh, city, would it? And it's it's still a bit of drive for most of the rural people in that area. Yeah, we're equidistant between Dublin, which is the main city in Ireland, and Cork, which is the second largest city of Ireland. So if you imagine a triangle, we're the tip of the triangle, and Cork and Dublin are equidistant from us on the base. Right. Okay. Well, that gives us a good picture of where you're doing your work. So tell us a little bit about your research that's related to rural innovation. I think a lot of what you do does touch on on that issue in Ireland. And and how did you come to study that field? So I, I came from a family business background. I'm originally from the southwest corner of Ireland, again, very rural. And my family ran a business over the last seven generations. In order to survive and to prosper over that time period, it was necessary to evolve and innovation was very much a part of the family business and that you were always looking at ways to improve what you were offering your customers and ways to improve how you carried out your business. So I've been interested since then and although I worked in industry for a period of time, I wish to come back and contribute to rural regional development in that way. So all of my research is on small business capability development and how we can help those organizations, so we're quite applied researchers, and how we can help those organizations to build the kind of innovativeness necessary to sustain and grow their businesses. And I think what I've heard from some of the people that we've talked to here at Rural Spark about rural innovation in Canada is that um, innovation and bringing in innovative ideas, it's not something that is foreign to people who've lived in rural areas for generations because I think, you know, especially in long ago, 
as you would say, you know, uh, point out in your uh, family's history and in business, you had to innovate. You couldn't turn to someone else to find a solution or build a new tool or whatever. You Communities and uh, people and families often had to do those things themselves. Do you find so that helps in a way in today where we're trying to bring new innovative measures and support innovation in rural communities that the culture is a good fit? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it in terms of a rural community even 100 years ago, they wouldn't have had access to what was available in urban settings, so they'd have found a way. And there's this phrase in Ireland, necessity is the mother of invention. And there's no truer capacity for that than in rural communities. So there are two things that I would say about the rural communities I work with. One is that they are very collaborative by their very nature. So if one person is going to town, they'll ensure that others know they're going and is there anything that they need. So there's very much that capacity to say, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. And in return, what can you do for me? But the other aspect is that if necessity is that mother of invention, then think about the context of necessity in, in rural communities. They may be, for example, isolated So they're working together to ensure that they can do what they need to do to survive and thrive as organizations, but also as a wider community. Right. And at Rural Spark, we're big fans of the Harris Centre at Memorial University in Newfoundland, where you have an address this week, which is terrific. And we're so excited to be able to catch you while you're in Canada. Tell us a little bit about the talk that you'll be delivering there this week. Great. So one of the big things that we do in our own research group in Ireland is we work with small businesses in terms of embedding service innovation in those firms. So there is an Enterprise Ireland government initiative called the Innovation Voucher Scheme, which gives access to these small firms and social enterprises at times, gives them access to an innovation voucher worth 5,000 euro worth of intellect from the higher education institutes, including our own. And I'll speak at the Harris Centre about our design-based approach to co-creating innovation plans in these organisations and in community groups that helps them to embed innovation and to develop their ideas into action plans. Over the last 10 years, we've worked with 1,200 of these companies and organisations. Wow. So with this voucher system, if I'm a small business in Ireland and I know I need to innovate and, and, you know, develop new systems to survive and thrive in the future, I can get a a 5,000 euro voucher that allows me to go to a higher education institution and pay them essentially to help me develop those systems? That's correct. So it's doing two things. It's embedding the higher education institutes in the communities they serve And it's ensuring that these smaller businesses have access to the same kind of intellectual capital as larger firms. Mm. So the competitive landscape is far fairer in this kind of design. Wow, no, it's really impressive. It's something I think, you know, we have an outstanding higher education sector in Canada, as I'm sure you know, and, you know, that model sounds like, and this is something we're interested in looking at, is what models are working in Ireland and what are some ideas that we might want to take a closer look at in Canada. You may know that in Canada, we did recently add a, a federal cabinet portfolio on rural economic development, and this was, you know, a new seat at the federal cabinet leadership. Quite welcome, of course, in rural Canada, and a national rural strategy is in the works in Canada. And I see that in Ireland, there was an initiative launched a couple of years ago, I think in 2016, 
called the 2040 Rural Regeneration Program, and that it includes some innovative, interesting things and something called the Town and Village Renewal Scheme. What made this kind of investment, this kind of program, become a priority a few years ago in 2016? And can you tell us a little bit about the initiatives and the impact that they're having? Absolutely. Helen, it's interesting because Ireland has a challenge at the moment in that we're a growing population. About 42% of Ireland's population live in rural communities, so it's far higher than the EU average. Mm. And our 2040 plan acknowledges that by that year, we'll have an additional 1 million people living in Ireland. So we'll have growing housing, education, employment, capacity, infrastructure, challenges and the region-focused strategy embedded in the 2040 plan seeks to help manage this growth. So one of the key elements that was launched in 2017 was the Town and Village Renewal Scheme, and we've had 505 projects supported by the end of last year, 2018. Now, what's interesting here is that over the preceding period, there was a tendency for the town centres to be hollowed out somewhat by the upspringing of shopping centres on the periphery of towns and villages in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And some of the buildings were derelict or that they were empty. So the town and village renewal scheme is literally what you can conceive of in your mind's eye. It is projects that re-embed communities in these buildings. It acknowledges the value of social enterprise and community support structures. It's putting in place voluntary centres and information services right in the town centre, but also building up things like digital hubs for remote workers to give them the opportunity to come into the town centre. And that rejuvenation then is building on the back of other smaller businesses. For example, they have to have their lunch or they need a coffee. So you have this hub of activity generated by the rejuvenation of these buildings. And are those funds for the town and village scheme, are they coming uh, strictly from the federal government or are there partnership levels involved? There's a bit of both. We have a different structure than yourselves in terms of the way that our country's government is structured. We too have a department for rural and community development. So that department is um, responsible for the allocation of these funds. But we're also a member of the European community and the European community has structures in place that fulfill these kind of criteria as well. So it is coming from the central fund, but it is distributed through our local government systems and also the leader system, which is the primary distribution of uh, rural development funds from the European Union. And these are at local levels, so they're very much on the ground and engaging with the various rural communities and businesses in each context. Right. And I wonder, through your research and what you've seen and how these funds and other programs are used, can you give us an example or two of some innovative approaches to uh, rural sustainability, rural innovation that you've seen either at the business level or at a community level or a regional level, you know, that have really struck you as kind of innovative and interesting models that we might want to scale up or adapt in different areas? I think... Full praise to the communities themselves because they're showing strong progress in terms of social inclusion and community activation programs, which were commenced at the start of 2018. 
what's interesting there is although this is a new scheme, a number of enterprise centres have evolved in very disadvantaged areas. And these projects include providing resume training, work placement programmes and inclusivity programmes for our new citizens. So Ireland is in an unusual period for our history in that we were traditionally emigrants. So we have a diaspora of 80 million people because traditionally the Irish tended to leave the country. Mm-hmm. Whereas now we have a situation where we have a growing immigrant population. This program of social com- inclusion and community activation is really embedding those new citizens in these rural communities. Now, I mentioned to you the Innovation Voucher Scheme. It's particularly valuable to rural businesses who don't have access to that kind of expertise. And it can help drive sustainable development through innovation, but only if they have access as they grow to new employees and to those that they need on the ground to develop and grow their businesses. So those two work in tangent with each other really well. The small capital projects for disadvantaged rural communities is another worthwhile initiative and something that I think is gaining traction for a relatively small investment. So these capital project schemes can be for as little as a couple of hundred euro. But what it's doing is bringing people together and acknowledging that there are some peripheral members of the rural communities that need specific help to be included. We've other programs in the higher education institutes are particularly helpful. There's the SkillsNet program and there's the digital skills training program where we're going out into rural communities and helping people with their digital skills. Now, we have similar challenges to yourselves in relation to the high speed broadband issues around our outside of urban centres. But all of these things are enhanced by a, a collective or a collegial approach in terms of recognising that technology is one element but the community build is another element and the business contribution is a third element. So those four or five initiatives are really tying in together and seeing real impact in the rural communities they serve. And you mentioned there, Felicity, that, you know, as businesses take advantage of these innovation vouchers, et cetera, and start to, you know, get new technologies in place, they need to make sure that they have the right access to the right people, to the right talent. In Canada, we do have concerns in rural areas about getting the right talent in place and skills shortages in certain areas. Is that something that's already an issue in parts of rural Ireland? And do you see it maybe becoming more of an issue in the, you know, the next five to 10 years? Yeah, I think it is. And I think that it's true of most communities, particularly if those communities had a production facility that has since closed. So one of the things that we're very interested in is, you know, jumpstarting those individuals who may be in the communities and don't have the skills currently that those organizations are looking for. But through digital skills training programs or other skills training programs, we're very conscious that you're bedding in that productivity amongst their own community while also enticing those, maybe some of the diaspora, back to the Irish context. Mm. So there have been large-scale initiatives to encourage some of our emigrants back into our country who have gained skills in other countries and would be of benefit to the rural communities. We're also looking at certain projects that will entice those who may have been in the urban settings for a number of years to come back to the rural settings where maybe they originated in from day one. 
That's interesting. We, we do talk a lot in rural Canada here about social enterprise and, and lots of new um, interesting social enterprises in development in rural Canada. Are social enterprises a big part of the solution for rural Ireland? And, and do you see communities really embracing this model of enterprise development? Oh, definitely. And actually, that's part of the reason why I'm in Canada at the moment is looking at the model of social enterprise and how higher education institutes can support those infrastructures appropriately. In Ireland, we have a long history of cooperatives, and many of those cooperatives have since found significant success commercially, but their origins were rooted in the support for their agricultural communities, who recognised the need to come together as a social entity and provide support for each other. So while the term social enterprise is used more recently, the concept or the thinking behind social enterprises has been in Ireland for many decades. And these social enterprises are really valuable. I've mentioned the context of where they provide enterprise support, where they provide community support for redevelopment, or just a place for communities to go, which alleviates some of the isolation of when they're geographically isolated, for example. Some of them are as simple as the bus system in Ireland. So there's the rural bus network, and I know that sounds like a very small thing, but if you think about individuals in rural communities who maybe don't drive, then that bus system is providing them with that access to others in context. And in fairness to individuals like yourself, Helen, there's quite a few rural radio stations and rural media stations that provide that access as well. And that's bringing these people together in community and enterprise centres, but also engaging in a master apprentice proposal of bringing craftspeople together and having those with skills, teaching the young people in those communities a new skill that can allow them to provide for themselves and remain in their rural communities. Right, and on that topic of bringing rural people together, on Rural Spark, you know, our guests often refer to the need for us in Canada to do a better job of linking rural communities, you know, of creating a national voice even for rural Canadians. And uh, I think it's something that I do see some traction happening in different areas where people are coming together, partly to share the best practices, lessons learned, where can we, you know, adapt ideas and, and scale up and, and get, you know, good innovative ideas from other parts of Canada. How do you see that happening in Ireland? Is there a strong rural network or is that something that is being, is the promotion of that being ramped up now? And what benefits do you see from that kind of networking uh, in Canada or Ireland or anywhere where uh, rural communities are trying to grow and uh, increase sustainability? Oh, absolutely. We're very fortunate in rural Ireland in that there's been a very active rural community for a long time. We've two different national networks. We have the National Rural Network, which is engaged directly with the Department of Rural and Community Development and provides support structures for each of these communities. It's a component of the development plan, the 2040 development plan. And it puts people on the ground so that the individual rural communities have direct access to the knowledge necessary to engage fully with the development plan. But on a separate point, probably more relevant in the context of how communities are doing it for themselves is the Irish Rural Link, or IRL, which is the Annunciation of Ireland all over the world. When you look at, you know, flights to Ireland, they'll have IRL in them. 
So in the IRL, it's been active since 1991, so it's well embedded in the rural communities across Ireland. And here is one of the social enterprises. It's a not-for-profit. It represents over 600 community groups and has a combined membership of 25,000 members. There is an entity that has been created by the community themselves, but provides a real structure through which the rural groups and individuals and anyone in particular representing disadvantaged rural communities have their common needs and priorities on the page. A lot of the drive from that Irish rural link promoted the enhancement of the Department of Rural and Community Development and ensured that their voice was very strongly heard, not just locally and nationally, but at European level. And the European recognition of rural communities is partly because of these kind of networks that are developing across the European Union. So there's a lot of pride and camaraderie in the communities, but we've to play a part as well. So in the National Rural Network, I'm a member of both of these, and in the National Rural Network, we're offering our time to ensure that they have, these rural communities have access to the intellect that may provide them with the gaps that they may be missing in, in terms of specific skills with regard to marketing or regard to tourism development or regard to planning or strategy. But also we're working closely with the media as well in terms of balancing the stories. That's not to say that for rose tinted, there are challenges, but there are also huge opportunities in rural communities and media has part to play in balancing the stories, both good and bad, relating to the rural communities that they serve. For sure. And I think it does sound like Ireland's farther ahead, I think, uh, than we are in Canada in terms of really, you know, establishing more formal uh, networks and links uh, across our rural communities so that we can share and, and grow together. You're on the ground there with rural innovation in Ireland. And I'm wondering, uh, as you look ahead, based on what you've seen happening in recent years, uh, how optimistic are you about rural island, Ireland in the next five to ten years? Where do you think it's going to go uh, from here? I'm really hopeful for it, Helen, and I think there's a lot of indicators that suggest that that's not just blind optimism. There's a couple of things in play. One is the rollout of broadband to all, all of the community in Ireland has been challenging and relatively slow, but it is gaining traction now. And as more and more people have access to broadband, the lifestyle choice affiliate to living in rural Ireland should be enhanced. And my feeling is that those knowledge workers will create a certain impetus amongst the rural communities to say this is a good place to live. There's a lot of benefits uh, affiliate to rural living as well mm -hmm. that I think are coming to the fore now as more and more people face challenges in living in urban settings, not just the cost of living there, but the challenges of commuting on a daily basis, etc. So there is a comprehension amongst our wider community that there are huge benefits in living and working in our rural communities. The other aspect I think that you're seeing more and more of is people's willingness to contribute to each other's well-being. So I think as long as that traction is retained and encouraged and built upon I think the evolving communities in Ireland have a bright future. 
Well, that's good to hear. And we share in that optimism for the future here in rural Canada. And I think you've highlighted a few programs and initiatives that I think are quite interesting for us to take a deeper dive into uh, looking at that are in Ireland. And uh, thank you very much for that. It's been our pleasure to have you as our guest today on Rural Spark. And we hope to uh, touch base sometime in the future and see how some of those recent initiatives are uh, bearing fruit. Great, Helen. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, and enjoy the rest of your time in Newfoundland. Take care. Bye-bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week on Rural Spark. Our team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabarth. Music is by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.